comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Everybody and welcome back to the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined this week by Aaron Newarth, Richard Chubtoad Sheldon, and returned from the dead, Russell Latham. How's everybody doing? Good. I am dolphin smooth. That's that's too much info. That's what I know. <laughs> uh, so this week on the podcast, we are discussing episode 505 of the Walking Dead: Self Help. But, uh, Russ, it's been a few episodes since you've been able to make it on the show, so what have you been thinking of this season so far? Very, very happy with it, except for last week's episode, which I really wanted to be on the show last week, but just I just some stuff going on I couldn't. I would give the last week's episode a two, but everything else has been solid, you know, four, four and a half. I like that it started out with a bang and things got moving. Uh, I like now that uh, things are kind of splitting off a little bit, so we're getting you know, kind of these separate stories so they could focus, which is nice, uh, rather than, we've talked about this in the past, you know, rather than kind of getting these episodes where everybody kind of gets short shrift and because of commercial breaks and things like that, it, it never, you know, seems like you're getting a full story. So I like that we're dedicating these to uh, to these characters, except for last week. Like I said, the, the, the problem I had with last week's episode, and I apologize, I'm, I'm way behind on listening to, so I didn't get a chance to listen to what you guys thought, but don't want to rehash too much of it, but the cop played by Christine Woods, like to me, her motivation was complete nonsense. Like I didn't buy it whatsoever. And I think that's what really hurt that episode was just like this random area where these, you know, this hospital where these people are. And I, I just didn't buy anything. It, it just, I don't know. It just seems shoehorned in. Russ, basically I, we're mostly all on the same page as far as kind of regard for the season goes. Even if Jordan liking last week's episode more than the rest of us did, it's still, we acknowledge that it's weaker than the previous weeks before it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we're all pretty satisfied with the season so far, even with, you know, one kind of short straw in the mix. Yeah, and it's not even that Beth is gone. You know, that part of it, I think, adds another layer to it. I just think they could have probably done something a little better than what they did. But it ended very strong, I will say that. Um, for as much as, as I was unhappy with the episode, like if, if I had to judge like the last 15 minutes, I'd probably give that like a, like probably a solid you know, three, seven, five, close to a four. I, I thought it ended very strong, but it's just the first three quarters of that episode were just kind of a slog for me. Yeah, one of the comments I made last week was hope, uh, hopefully it proves us wrong and it somehow pa- planted seeds for on down the road of the season and for something awesome. I'm kind of doubting it, but that's my hope because I was 
so let down last week. So, gentlemen, shall we get into discussing episode 505? Let's. Alrighty. Self-Help was written by Heather Belson and Seth Hoffman and directed by uh, Walking Dead mainstay Ernest Dickerson. One of my favorite directors of this series. And we had one guest actor uh, noted on Wikipedia for this, uh, for this episode, and that was Andrea Moore as Ellen Ford, who we'll get into in a moment. So the episode starts with Abraham, Rosita, Tara, Maggie, Glenn, and Eugene on the bus to Washington, D.C., and shortly after they pass a small group of walkers where they've been talking and chatting and just getting to know each other a little bit more, um, an explosion from underneath the bus causes Abraham to lose control and the bus flips over. Yeah, all that happens, but there's also just a lot of fun conversation going on. The conversation is great. I'm not, I, that's why I kind of stopped there. I didn't want to skip past it because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, which is something that you don't get much of on The Walking Dead. I like having fun with the characters for a change. It's nice. It's funny, as I was watching this, and then the bus, that happened with the bus, and then it flips, and I was like, okay, that's really convenient. A whole mess of walkers. I was looking for, like, a flat tire or something. Me too. I was like, what is going on? Like, they're being, I I thought it was, like, really contrived, or they were forcing this, or it was like, I I was like, okay, the coincidence thing is really, you know, can kind of wear thin. And so I kind of put that in the back of my brain, and I'm like, maybe I ought to just kind of chill out a little bit and give it some time, and maybe this will make much more sense. And as we find out later on, it did, and I was like, that was well done. Well, and even beyond that, you know, and after they beat the walkers, which I'll go back and talk about that, but they finish taking down the walkers and they start walking, and no one asks, so what just happened? Because it was so out of left field. Like, I went back and, you know, even in the middle of the episode, jumped back to see, like, okay, Abraham's looking off to the side. He's not really watching the road. But then he looks back at the road, and it's another 10 seconds before the bus explodes. And it was just like, how are they not questioning what just happened? It was a little weird to me. I think he did kind of acknowledge there was some kind of mechanical failure. He just couldn't necessarily pinpoint it. The bus it flipped on over. That's more than a mechanical failure. My car well, the bus I mean, that, that flipped over because it hit that car on the side, didn't it? I guess I thought it was like already. What like, what seemed to happen to me was was there was a, a small explosion, which was more yeah. than likely the the intake or whatever the glass shattering through that, yeah. and then that that either spooked Abraham or it knocked knocked the bus enough to where he jerked the wheel, and then he hit a car and it flipped. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, what I thought happened. There was something something happened, yeah, like you said, like a small explosion that caused him to lose control, and then with all the cars on the road, he hit something that knocked, that flipped the bus over. The bus okay, didn't just, the bus didn't just lift up off the ground. That's, that's not what happened, yeah. <laughs> we have levitating buses now. Why aren't we using this? Yeah, but uh, he's not a, he's no Lori. Like, he's not just flipping, <laughs> over, <laughs> flipping over buses because he's, you know, ignorant. Like, that's not him. So the walkers hear the, bu- the noise of the bus flipping over, and they move in. Uh, the group, before they even exit, they make their strategy, what they're going to do, which I thought, again, is it's nice to see a well-oiled machine of a team, even if it's not completely our normal cast of characters. But, you know, Abraham knows what he's doing, and Renosita seems to know as well. Um, they escape the bus, and a terrified Eugene watches, but he's pretty much shell-shocked and can't do anything. Tara, who's been talking to him, though, she hands him a knife, and she encourages him. And a walker's about to attack her, he attacks the walker, he doesn't quite kill it, she does, but at least he gets to feel like he did something. And it's nice to see him at least do something. Teamwork. So, yes, exactly. The This whole action scene was like watching like that scene in Avengers where it's like a one shot of everybody. Like there's all these whip pans going from like each different character yeah. as they like yeah. stabbed all the zombies in, in their heads and whatnot. It was like, yeah, alright, team, teamwork, let's do this, yeah. 
and we get a nice uh, joke button to the end of the scene. Well, there's a couple things. You have the flashback before this, which I'll get to, but um, you have the beginning of our visual metaphor of the episode, which is the wound that won't heal, which is on Abraham's hand. And I forget who says, but he says, we'll, we'll go back to the bus and grab the first aid kit. And then as a nice end button to the sequence, the bus explodes yeah. in a fireball, which I thought was, again, uh, maybe like Russ said, a little bit uh, convenient, but funny. So I'll, I'll give that to them. And since you brought up the whole flashback thing, I just, I mean, we're going to talk more about it, I'm sure, but I just want to throw my two cents in on, I think that this is the best use and best way they've done flashbacks in the series so far, as far as the way it was shot, edited, how it was placed throughout the episode, how it informed for his mindset going throughout this entire episode, I really, really thought it was probably the best use of flashbacks The Walking Dead has done yet. I mean, we haven't had a lot of flashbacks in the history of the show, like maybe five times altogether, but I think I'd agree with you. I think the one that started the season was pretty good as well, but this was probably the most solid. Not that the others have really been bad. I would agree with that sentiment. I do think this whole handling, especially given what Michael Cudlitz does in this in this role and in this episode in particular, I think he brings a lot to that to that whole flashback aspect that makes it very effective now question for you guys should i just do the whole flashbacks now or should we save the flashbacks for the end because they're sprinkled throughout the episode and i'm going to get them out of order or or not in the spot they're supposed to be so which do you want to do all all right now or all at the end put them at the end yeah they're so brief that it's i think it's better to talk about them in a bunch i agree so listeners we'll get to them later on we haven't forgotten them don't worry so the group you know, is kind of questioning what they're going to do now. Eugene suggests they go back to the church. They're only, I think he says like 12 or 15 miles out. Um, and, and they, you know, the bus has been destroyed. The supplies have been destroyed. But Abraham says they must continue on. And the group follows him. That night, the group takes shelter in a library. Um, a pretty cool looking library, too. I, I like the general design of it. And uh, Rosita stitches up the wound that Abraham had on his hand uh, using binding from books, which, again, very resourceful. And I love seeing that kind of stuff. This whole scene is uh, really awesome. I love the. I mean, it's very visual in the, its storytelling of showing you how these guys know what to do. You're in a library. They're showing them moving the bookshelves. There's Abraham's doing it. He's kind of whistling a, or, you know, humming a bit. We've got yeah, the book stuff. We have Tara taking the, the water out of the toilet. There's just a lot of like just process that you're getting to see without having people you know deliver you know just tell you what's happening. like this is what we need to do they're just showing you this is what we're doing and it's really effective and my favorite the chewing gum a wrapper on the battery now abraham was humming that song three or four times during the episode was that a song i should have recognized i couldn't quite place the melody i couldn't place it either i just figured it was kind of a, a comfort tune that he has and well i kept expecting with the flashbacks for it to come back in some way i expected it to be like something connected to his past a song that he and his wife shared or something uh, or that he sung to his kids or something like that i was a little bit surprised because it was so repetitive um in the way they placed it throughout the episode that it didn't have some kind of payoff but maybe I guess down the season they could do that. That's that's true too. But I think it was just more of the not necessarily necessarily payoff, but just more of a you come to understand that this is something he's he's done. He right. he familiarizes himself with a scenario, and he to get through that or to you know keep his mind occupied, he just kind of hums to himself or whatnot. Yeah, I mean the flashbacks in the end of the episode, at, you know, aside, Abraham's actually. It's nice to see how level-headed he is throughout the episode, and maybe not level-headed is not the right word, but how much he is just in the swing of things and enjoying himself. As long you as know, he has purpose, really yeah, as long it. as he has purpose, you definitely see him, you know, acting 
as efficiently as possible. Or when he's on top of a, uh, a fire truck laughing, you know, he, he's just that mission is really central to the character. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot more to say about that when we get to that. Okay. <laughs> I think we all will. <laughs> so Abraham talks to Glenn and he thanks him for sticking with him after the cla- uh, the crash. And, you know, he feels that the apocalypse has reached a point where everyone still alive is very strong. You know, they might be strong and evil or they might be strong and good, but the people who are left are strong and he's very happy that Glenn has chosen to ally himself with um, Abraham and his group. Um, and they've set up the library as kind of a very nice fort, basically, uh, that's defensible from the outside. Um, but Abraham has some other some other sights he has or some other things he has set his sights on, and that is sleeping with Rosita. And I don't know if they've really hinted at it before this episode, but yes, uh, Rosita and Abraham do have a sexual relationship. Um, one that I guess technically includes Eugene, at least in the fact that he likes to watch from the self-help <laughs> help section, which is very funny. Yeah. And uh, Tara calls him out on it. And again, Tara and Eugene start to come to even more of an understanding as she encourages him and tells him, you know, you are a part of this team. You are strong. Um, and, and she, she kind of tries to tell him that she gets him. Even though she doesn't, it still helps him in the end. I, I guess we haven't really got a... I mean, because we know because we read the comic, but I guess we didn't necessarily know that Abraham and Rosita were together in that way. But I certainly think they're I think it was implied that they were more than just good friends, I think. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I can't really I can't specifically place the the indicator that said, hey, we're in a romantic relationship together. I can't recall that for the show at this time. But regardless, yeah, that was good on him. You know, <laughs> not forgetting. I, I always say. feel yeah. like someone's watching me. And uh Eugene's head popping out of the book section there. That's like, a, I love that image. That's hilarious to me. Just his little, his, his tuft of hair and his eyes just leaning over the bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> well, love... especially Abraham and Rosita's reaction. Oh, yeah. yeah they're just like, speech to Tara. Yeah, they're just like, yeah. Especially Abraham. He's like, yeah, whatever. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you want to see that? He's smooth as a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, as far as him and Tara talking, what like, I like that. Like, she's kind of the she's kind of the voice of the audience as far as Eugene goes cuz presumably again not for comic readers necessarily but we're supposed to be in the dark on what Eugene really knows and so we're kind of in the position that Tara's in where she's slowly getting to understand who this guy is and it's you know it's 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 nice it's like a it's I really like the acting in this episode a lot I'll get to my thoughts on this episode as a whole as obviously as we get to the end of it but I I really like seeing all these different characters especially Tara who as you guys know I was not a big fan of last season but she's come to be a very useful character in my eyes especially when she's serving as basically the audience's perspective and do you think that she's already figured it out before he reveals it no. no, I don't think no. so. Because no. uh, I was kind of getting the feeling when they had their little conversation in the library that she was questioning it. I think she's just trying to figure out why he's so weird. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like what, it, like, or, or what makes him tick. Yeah, maybe trying to point out the fact that, dude, you're being extremely socially awkward, and you need to cut it out because people deserve privacy and respect and. You're a weirdo. Also, don't destroy our means of transportation. That whole spiel. <laughs> yeah, well, the, I, you I know, think there's it, that. I think it goes further than that. I mean, it's outcasts tend to stick together. You know, he seems to have Asperger's or some type of social disorder. And, you know, her being gay, you know, I, I can see that camaraderie being there where she sees someone else who just doesn't fit in. 
um, in society in some way, and she bonds to that. And that, that that spoke to me at least. It's a mix of like her being gay, which I don't think has been really brought up too much in the show, and the fact not that, recently anyway, and, and the fact that she was on you know the side of the bad guy, and she was. She, she, you know, she's she's still trying to kind of redeem herself in that sense of being this person that ruined this otherwise very good life for innocent people because she chose the wrong side unwilling, unknowingly. And uh, we should we should mention, you know, Eugene uh, confides in Tara that he actually uh, sabotaged the bus. He put cr- uh, crushed glass from light bulbs into the fuel line, and that caused the explosion. Um, so he he is starting to come clean to her a little bit. But uh, Rich, you asked, you know. Do you think she gets it? I don't think she gets it. I, I don't think she was looking in that place. You know, it's one of those things where we, as comic readers, we knew it was coming, or at least suspected right. what was coming based on the books. So we knew what to look for, but I, I don't think if you weren't looking for that as she wasn't, you would find it. I thought he was going to come clean there, too, by the way. I thought he was going to tell her only that he was, you know, full of it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did, too. And, and that was the thing. That That's what I'm just piecing it together because I thought, well, maybe Tara and Maggie talked. Because then Maggie has that conversation with him when he's reading the book, you know, and I'm just like, man, it seems like they're they may be suspecting something. I don't know that 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 was my take on it, but I could be wrong. And then I love that Tara also takes a peek at the action across the uh, the library at the end of yeah, the, yeah. the scene. That <laughs> because you've got to. I mean, with, like, you know, hands, in, hands in her pockets, just like, hmm, what's going on over there? Okay, I'm good. Like, just walking around. It's it's two beautiful people. How could you not? That mustache, man. <laughs> yeah, boy. So the next morning, Rosita and Maggie suggest staying at the library for one more day to rest and gather more supplies. But Abraham is again persistent on getting to Washington. Um, and so they keep going. And although you, you do see a few times during the episode where Ros- Rosita is starting to push back against Abraham a little bit, not not in a negative way, but just in a maybe we should take a few extra hours here, a day here to regroup. It's not stopping. It's not going back. It's just pausing for a moment. Um, but she still sticks by Abraham. I mean, they get in a, they get in a mild argument during the scene, too, like uh, before they even kind of yeah. talk about where to go next, like they get in a small spat um, involving kind of Rosita holding not necessarily Rosita, but like people holding him back, which is something that he doesn't want to do, which is kind of emphasized by having these flashbacks in between each kind of segment of the episode. He almost right. he almost bullied her. I mean, he was getting aggressive. He's getting testy. He's getting testy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you can see it from both sides, and I and you can For definitely sure. you you know that they're all her, her included are all saying things that make perfect sense. But it, and even to him, it probably makes perfect sense, but I get where he's coming from because look, every time he's compromised his mission, uh, for the sake of rest supplies or helping others, I mean, he got his, Eugene shot up the truck. They've lost people that there's people that have died, um, you know, protecting Eugene. Um, they almost got eaten. Uh, you know, I mean, I get where he's coming from enough, you know, dilly dally and we're going to Washington. Yeah. He's in this mode where he's presenting the greater good, but it's not in like a stubbornly frustrating way. And it's as opposed to someone like Shane, who is also was also fighting for the greater good, but was doing it in the wrong kind of way. Abraham, I can support this guy. I'm with what this character is representing. I may not necessarily agree with every choice he makes, but I see where he's coming from. And it doesn't piss me off in the same way that can't with other characters. And on a side note, I gotta say, because I think this is the second of maybe three times we see it in the episode, but I really like how they kind of casually throw in, I didn't think this was overdone, but casually throw in, 
references to names and events that we didn't see, mm-hmm. but that Rosita, Eugene, and Abraham know. The people they lost, the events that happened to them before they met up with our group. Um, it, it was nice to see those hints at history there. Uh, for a show that has had trouble with subtlety, I'm very happy with that as well, Jordan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, bleeding hand wound that won't stop, maybe? Anyone? Um, but we can get into that later on. So the group comes across a fire truck, which they initially start up, and they're very happy about this fire truck because not only is it a means of transportation, but it's 200 gallons of water or some large amount of water inside the truck, so it helps fill two of their needs, uh, water and transportation. Um, it starts, and then it quickly breaks down, um, and they, they realize there's zombie guts and gore all over the intakes and stuff. And I, I like that. I believe it's Rosita is the one who actually corrects Abraham. He thinks it's the front grill, but it's actually the intake for the engines on top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nice to give her, again, some more depth as someone who apparently understands fire trucks, which I don't. It's nice, by the way, that, I mean, as much as Cudlitz and um, Josh McDermott as Eugene, they're doing kind of a heavy lifting as far as the acting goes this episode. Uh, Chris, uh, Rosita, Chris, Christian Serratos, she, um, she's pulling her weight as well like it's 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 she's being more than just like hot girl in hot pants like so it's it's nice work from this whole trio i would say and really it's been her first opportunity to do that in the yeah, show so far for sure. and yeah. it's nice to see that it wasn't that they were holding back because she couldn't do it mm-hmm. they were holding back for whatever reason but she can do it and yeah. hopefully gets to do it more in the future so because they moved the fire truck about four feet forward before it died um, it stopped the fire truck from holding shut a door that was right behind the truck that they couldn't see. And so now zombies start pouring out. Um, they start attacking them, but there's a lot of them. And then from the heavens comes rain, except it's Eugene on top of the fire truck using the fire hose. Um, because who wants to drink from the fire hose? The zombies do. And uh, he starts blowing them away. And everyone is very impressed, including me as a member of the audience. Yes, because it's an awesome sight to behold. <laughs> yes, as, as their parts. heads are exploding yeah. and they're, you know the skin is just being ripped off them. See, my head was exploding for a completely different reason. <laughs> because, so, A, that fire truck would hold 1,000 gallons of water, not 500. Um, well, they were guesstimating. I, I know. <laughs> um, just just to let you know out there. That's it, right. I forget. We have an inside man yeah, here. It'd be 1,000 gallons. Uh, two, there's no way that thing pumps any water without the engine running, period. <laughs> I mean, I saw it happen on the TV, so. <laughs> TV doesn't lie, Russ. TV now, here's a question lie. for you, though, as, as somebody who does have experience with this. I know the water pressure out of a fire hose is devastatingly hard, and, you know, you eh. don't want to point it at a living person because it can injure them. But, I mean, I, I mean, we are saying the zombies are more decomposed, and, you know, if a knife can go right through their heads, no problem. Is it plausible to you that in a world where they're that decomposed and yes. soft-boned that it would work? Yeah, I mean, because you're thinking, like you said, they're pretty decomposed. The pressure out of there is probably about 100, 100, and maybe if they have it really cranked up. I mean, you have to really crank the 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 pump up. Maybe you got, like, 140, 150 PSI out of that hose. Um, but that's about it, and at that rate, you know, you'll you'll empty that truck really fast. Um, gotcha. As somebody who sat, who's literally sat on a gun deck on the top of a truck that size for probably two to three hours, uh, putting out round bales of hay on fire, uh, it doesn't take long to go through a uh, thousand gallons of water. Can I just say I love that it's called the gun deck? It's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of fun. Be, but, sure, uh, be sure to read the article. What what Russ picked up? What the Walking Dead got wrong about fire trucks? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Only you can prevent Walker fires. Now, I just want to say that 
not just getting hit by the water, but just the zombies slipping and sliding around and stuff. If nobody's done it yet, somebody needs to go on YouTube and just put that scene to the Benny Hill theme music. <laughs> I think it would be great. But all kidding aside, I mean, it, obviously I had some logical issues with, with the way that worked, but it didn't uh, it, it didn't ruin it for me. I mean, I understood what they were trying to do, and it, I, I got what, what they were getting. I mean, the fact that the engine wasn't run. I mean, that that really doesn't change much, you know, as far as the outcome of what they were trying to do. The point of that was to show that Eugene took the initiative. Took the initiative. Uh, had you know, obviously, as a, as a fairly smart guy, was able to get up there and you know, um, pull the gang out of a jam, especially after he, you know, openly questioned whether or not he would. Uh, at, the, at well, I guess at this point he didn't really down himself so much. I guess he did a little bit to tear up, but... Well, the way um, he presents, like, when he gets in these kind of life-or-death scenarios is he tries to explain it as he had a couple options. And so, like, with that one where he saves Terra, it's more of like, well, I was damned if I did this or damned if, if I right. did that, so I could help right. you out and be damned and hopefully leave it a chance on that one. Like, it's that's how he kind of breaks things down. So, yeah, this is... Sure. Which is also kind of what she had told him earlier, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. Something like, you yeah. either die helping other people or right. you can die being a coward. Yeah. Right. So, again, like I said... Uh, Definitely suspension of disbelief for for me just because I've I've been on that side of it. It just I was kind of like really and just kind of scratching my head. But um, you know, ninety five percent of everybody out there would not know otherwise one way or the other. So, well, a, maybe maybe Eugene, little inside baseball. Maybe Eugene figured out a way to do it without the truck running. Remember, he is smarter than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. So they continue on in the fire truck, and it eventually breaks down again in the middle of nowhere. Um, and they, Glenn notices that the wind is picked up, and there's a really bad smell uh, coming up from over the hill. So they continue on over the hill to see what it is, and it's a giant ranch, or maybe it even looked to me almost like a fairground. But you know, oftentimes those are the same things. Um, that is just completely overrun with walkers. Uh, this is a herd if we've ever seen one on the show. Yeah. And everyone basically says, well, we clearly can't go here, so we need to turn around, head back, or head around it. You know, can't go over it, can't go through it, you know, got to go around it type deal. But Abraham says they're going to move forward, they're going to fight, they're going to do it. They are not going back, they're not turning around, they're not stopping, he is not being halted on his mission. And so, as you might expect at this point, a large fight breaks out. And Rosita begs Abraham to come to his senses, but instead he grabs Eugene and starts to pull him towards the ranch. Uh, Glenn jumps in and tries to stop them, but Eugene finally yells at both of them and confesses he was lying all along. He is not a scientist. He does not know how to save the world. He was only doing this to save his own skin and to give them a mission to continue on with, but he does not know uh, you know how to stop the walkers. So the secret's out. Um, we can now we can now stop tiptoeing around it, um, which we've been doing for ever since he was introduced in the show. Yes, this was all a sham, and we knew it. Although I kind of hoped otherwise. I kind of hoped he really did have a plan, really was a scientist, and it just wouldn't work. Um, because if it works, the show's over. But yes, indeed, it is the same as in the comics. Eugene is a liar. Well, and it's a little different as far as how it's revealed, because in the comics, I won't spoil it, but it's a it's a different action that happens that causes him to have to sure, sure. Co come clean with it. Um, I was really hoping, you know, because we're going to talk about the flashbacks here at the end, but I was really hoping that, we, you know, when he met up with Abraham there in that flashback that we were going to learn that he was an eighth grade science teacher. 
<laughs> like <Yeah>. artist. <laughs> or like Walter White, I, I was assuming. Either way. <laughs> You've got some artist on you. Yeah. But anyway. Wasn't that what he was in the comics? I have no recollection of what he was beforehand. I mean, it would fit. I don't know that but... for some reason that's what I'm remembering from the comics. Maybe I'm just, you know, messed in the it's, head. It's quite possible. He certainly got the acumen for it. I just don't know yeah. if that was actually his job. Yeah, and the, uh, according to Wikipedia's biography on Eugene from the comics, he was an overweight high school teacher from prior to the apocalypse. There you go. With all that said, um, I much like how I really liked how we got rid of the hunters so early on in the season, I'm happy Eugene's secret's out. That, yeah, that, we, can, we can move yeah. on to new things now. Yeah, yeah, and it also leaves me with a wonder of, like, where we go now? Like... As much as it's neat to be like, wow, The Walking Dead has drive. We're going to Washington, D.C. That's the overall goal. We know where we're heading. I like also being completely in the dark on where we're going at this point. Like, it's it's neat to have that kind of that kind of propulsion has suddenly been stopped in its tracks because, hey, guess what? That's not a plan that's going to work at all. So we need to regroup and figure things out. Obviously, there's other characters we have to deal with, you know, but... At the same time, it's like, I don't know what the overall goal of this series is right now in a way that excites me rather than just leaves me going. So now what? Uh, I'm, I'm more excited about that, which is, is great for me. I'm happy. Well, and I also think in every uh, circle of Walking Dead show uh, fans, uh, you know, there's always the few that were diehard comic readers, a few that are diehard show watchers and don't do either, um, you know, and there's going to be those people in the group like uh, me, for example, that will be saying, oh, you should really be reading the comics. You should be reading it because you would know about Eugene, you know. So eventually the people are going to start trying to figure out what's going on uh, just based off what they talk with their friends. So I, that's why I'm glad they revealed it this quick in the season because I thought it was going to drag out at least till the middle of the season or to the end of the season. And, uh, yeah, let's get it out of the way. Let's move on. And I'm assuming that they're going to head back towards uh, the church at this point. They have to now, I guess. That was the interesting thing, because I was not expecting that reveal to happen in this episode. I mean, I- I'm I'm with you, you guys. I'm glad it did, because, you know, again, we kind of have that, you know, readers of the comic know, okay, it's going to happen eventually. Um, so I'm I'm glad it did. And I think even... Even if you haven't been reading the comic, I imagine you probably know there's something up with this dude that just ain't right. Like, you would know, get a sense that there's something going on with him. You'd have to so, at least think that the show's not going to, not, it's not about to leave Georgia to go to Washington, D.C. to show yeah. us some kind of cure plot. Like, that's probably right. not going to happen. <laughs> right. The well, inter- and that no cure plot could ever work. Yeah. Then the show's over right. For, yeah. You know. Well, not only that, but it's interesting because. Eugene, even though he admits to being a fraud, he does make a fairly decent case for why he thought the way he did and that maybe going to D.C. is not such a bad idea after all. Like maybe, maybe you know, from an endgame perspective, they should still think about going there because, you know, he did make, make sense. You know, like, okay, of anybody in this, of any place in this country, you know, what's going to be the area that they're going to, you know, most likely, uh, you know, be overly protected, you know, have some sort of command and control structure, uh, you know, left in place more so than anywhere else in the country. I mean, other than maybe like NORAD or, uh, you know, something like that, the, the you know, the, the heart of Washington, D.C. is probably, uh, you know, right up there. So for sure. And like, even if 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 the situation was presented differently for Abraham, where it wasn't a sudden shock that ruined 
everything about what his drive was, sure, he'd still be a guy that could probably understand what Eugene was going for by getting to DC, and that would still give him purpose. And given where his character was at when he first met Eugene, purpose is what he needs in life because he has exactly. nothing else to live for. Right. And and that was what was the most, I think, probably my favorite part of the episode was just the the devastation and the defeat from on, yeah on from Abraham space, yeah yeah once once he realized that this has all been just a load of horse crap and you know he's he's put all his faith in Eugene and he's you know defied the group and he's butted heads with everybody to to protect this guy and to to stand behind him I've always thought in the comic and in the show that Abraham had to have, there's something in the back of his head that had to tell him like even if this guy is full of crap this is my purpose this is my mission this is this is my drive forward um and i think the fact that eugene vocalized that he was a fraud i think that that you know that's what it took to shatter abraham that he was able to push down any doubt that a reasonable human being would have in believing this numbskull uh is is this super genius that can you know fix the world uh, you know that 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 hope is what is what kept him going. Took his mind off of you know the loss that he has. And it's also, I mean, I really like Abraham as a character, both in the comic and what Michael Cuddles has done for him in the series. I mean, I've said before that's like Cuddles was yeah. one of like on the short list of people. It's like I can see this realistically happen, and it did. And I'm so happy that it's like delivered in the way that it has. But yeah. um, Josh McDermott's performance as Eugene, I really like this too. And this is certainly a showcase episode for him, just as well. Yeah, and. It's a testament to to that performance where I I can I see everything he's done and you can call it cowardice and you know him a liar and whatever you want to label it but I don't dislike this guy like I still I see where he was coming from and I I I might I feel bad for him I guess in a sense but I don't feel like I'm against him now because of this being a lie and that's right. that's a tricky kind of role to play and I'm very impressed by that well, and a tr- probably a trickier line to write, and I think they did that a very, a very well. You know, it's it's a very thin line that if you cross it, you know, especially with what comes next between Abraham and Eugene at the end of the episode, which we'll get into in a minute, like who you're rooting for in that moment is gonna ha- is gonna really impact the viewer, mm-hmm. and I think they walk that line very well. For sure, yeah. As much as I like to criticize the show for its writing, I'm happy to praise it when the writing's very strong, and I do think this episode has some very strong writing in it. So kudos to the Walking Dead writing team on this one. So after he says he was lying, you know, he says, and I kind of said this before, but he said he's only really smarter than everybody else. He's he's a just a generally smart person, and he felt this was getting to Washington was his best chance at survival, and that giving the group a mission was their best you know chance at survival as well. Um, Rosita is deeply hurt, and she again brings up the people that died for him throughout you know their journey. Oh, he, Eugene, he he names them. He he specifically names them. There's like this. I mean, she brings up like all the people that died, and then he's like, I haven't forgotten. And like, there's a shot of this shot from Abraham's perspective, looking at Eugene as he's reading these names, and it's it's just a really well shot, including sequence. Bob's, including Bob. Even Bob yeah. gets a shot. A shot mm-hmm. And uh, Abraham, who's still you know coming to terms with this, basically just turns and starts beating Eugene unconscious and in a bloody mess. And then he walks a few feet away, falls to his knees, and starts to cry. That beating it gives to Eugene is a beating. Like he he, he nails him, but he like yeah. he like he like elbows him in the face, which knocks his head against the the fire truck, and then he falls face first into the asphalt. That's that's rough for Eugene. And they play it at the end of the episode, like, is, even on Talking Dead, like, is he alive or dead? He's alive. Of he's alive. Like, let's not even kid ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a savage beating. Yeah. 
which is probably a good chance to now go into the flashbacks because that also starts with a very savage beating. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had these series of flashbacks, uh, and like I correctly predicted last week, it was a flashback. Um, we start with um, a man being beaten to death with a can of beans or some type of can, and then the camera pans up to show that you that it's Abraham. This was the scene we saw in Talking Dead last week. And then he starts calling out for his wife, Ellen, and he finds her hiding with her two children. Um, and he tells them that they're safe, but they're all three of them are clearly terrified of him. Um, and he tries to like, you know, it's 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 okay. We're going to be fine. We just need to get out of here. Um, and they go to sleep. And the next morning, he wakes up to find that Ellen and the kids are gone. And she left a note saying, "Don't try to find us." So he goes outside, completely ignoring the note, to find them. And he eventually finds her dead body and the children's dead bodies, all having been eaten by walkers. Uh, he pulls out his gun. Uh, he prepares to commit suicide and then he hears a screaming man being chased by three walkers uh, and he turns and sees it's Eugene um, who that he has not met yet at this point in the story um, he saves him and then as he's walking away Eugene stops him and tells him he's on a secret mission to Washington and he requests his help giving Abraham a new reason to live the uh, there's so much here um. <laughs> and we also introduce the the visual metaphor of the uh, wound on his hand here don't we in the flashbacks um I mean, it's it's emphasized in them. You get that kind of yeah. towards that beginning section when they first get out of the bus, and he's like, "That wound of mine." He like manages it in passing. But but doesn't he have it? Doesn't he get the wound in the flashbacks? Uh, I, guess, I guess yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, true. There might be there might he might you might see his bleeding hand after he like beats the guy or whatever from the with the cans at the beginning. That might be it there. Yeah. Regardless, um, it makes me wonder like how Eugene's going to play out from this point now that you know the secret's out because there's there's a, when Eugene's kind of just running and screaming from the three walkers. There's there's something different about how he is, and it, obviously there's kind of the adrenaline from running away from from zombies coming after you that can make that so. But I feel like once running he, used loosely here, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, he was faintly dashing. Um, the, but the, the him pronouncing that he has a secret mission to another person, it seems like there is a kind of change in his character's tone, and I'm very curious if that's going to affect the way we see him delivering lines from this point on. Given that now that mission's you know off. He no longer has to pretend he's a scientist. Exactly, he can just be yeah. smarter than you. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, because we've 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 thought before that he has like Asperger's, or he has some kind of condition that you know he's obviously a smart person, um, but he has some kind of perhaps a condition, perhaps a disability of some kind, or whatever you want to call it, that makes him address people in a certain way or whatnot. I'm curious if that's still going to be a thing for him. I think it will be, uh, but you know, like you said, we all think he's, you know, we, we do know he's pretty smart, but I mean, he's not just smart intelligence. He's very street smart, very cunning. I mean, the way he was able to read, uh, Abraham's situation, uh, you know, upon coming to this scene of this guy with a gun in his mouth, mutilated bodies of a family, to immediately put it together and to know exactly what to say to get this guy to come along to be there to protect him. I mean, that was that pretty good, you know, summation of, of facts and and quick thinking in like the 20 seconds it took for him to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of the flashbacks, Rich, you talked about how much you've, you really enjoyed these flashbacks, I agree. And yeah. something I really like is how they, they cut away like really abruptly every time out. Like, except for like the final one for obvious reasons, but I really liked the way it, you'd get like, you'd get enough of it and it wouldn't like end at a point that makes sense necessarily it just ends at a point because done, we're done. We're moving back to the, the present. And I really like that kind of the handling of that structure. Yeah. There was no impetus for them to put a button on those. Scenes yeah. They just, the most they just stopped. 
It was her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, d- d- directorialize. I really like this episode. I mean, I think I think Ernest Dickerson does does a great job of kind of presenting all these different scenarios. Be it the actiony stuff, be it this dramatic stuff, be it the flashbacks. Like I think he does a great handle of the kind of the, the the kind of presentation of an episode like this that's dealing with a select group of characters but still has to deliver on being an episode of The Walking Dead. I think this is kind of the perfect example of how to do that kind of thing. It was an interesting exchange, too, the, just, just the cutting and intercutting of these flashbacks because they were very short and very abrupt. Mm-hmm. You know, so they when when they went out of the flashback, I mean, it was almost like if you if you weren't really paying attention it would be easy to be confused as to what was going on because they were, you know, it wasn't like they were, you know, kind of finished a thought even. It was almost like, again, very jarring, like in the, you know, the, they're getting towards towards the end of a sentence, so to speak, and then, you know, boom, we get this cut. So, it kind of, it puts you in the state of mind of Abraham where he probably sure, has kind absolutely. of, kind of think, uh, like, you know, flashes of memories without having coherent thoughts about these things which well and that it and it informs us viewers just piecemeal at a time but we're able to slowly start putting it together each mm-hmm. time they give us one of these flashbacks but we don't quite put it all together i mean i kind of had it you know based on what we know as comic readers but um correct me if i'm wrong i'm thinking in the comic though his whole thing was he lost his family as far as they got separated and that was part of his whole deal for going to Washington was also to hopefully find them. No, they were um they they died. He found the Did they die? Body. Okay. He, he found, I the, couldn't he found remember. those bodies as well, yeah. Yeah, and, and the the flashback showing you what he was, you know, attacking those men in the grocery store, I think it was. You know, they even talked about it on Talking Dead, but that lines up perfectly with his comic book backstory. Um those men were people from his group who, you know, attacked his family while he was out on a uh out on a supply run, and he came back and, and did what needed to be done to them. But I have no idea where I was going with that sentence. Wait, what was your question, Rich, before? Maybe he's just pointing out the kind of Abraham's backstory in the comic versus the TV show. But with that said, Jordan, I didn't watch Talking Dead, but I, I was aware, someone brought it up on the Facebook page, where where there was backstory apparently given regarding Abraham in that scenario. And it's the kind of thing where... No, I, I, as a person that didn't watch Walking, Talking Dead to hear that part, I wouldn't necessarily say that's exactly what I thought of when kind of piecing these flashbacks together. But at the same time, I had the pretty good idea of what was going on, and I can't fault the show for that. I think it's, again, a good way of kind of subtly layering in what it is that put Abraham in a certain position that led to his family reacting in that kind of way. Like, obviously, well, yeah, and yeah. you don't need that information. Yeah. And that was what I think I was going with it. You know, you don't need that information. They gave you exactly as much as you needed. If you want more information, you can go read the books. But it was basically just showing you from his perspective the important parts. You know, he, he's not going to want to dwell on what happened to his family, that these what these men did to his family. But he's going to remember the things that he was not there to stop. Um, or that they they ran away, that he tried to find them, and they, you know th- this is very well in, in all the ways we talked about it being abrupt, it being just from his point of view, really encapsulated that this was not just narrative device, which it was a narrative device, but it was also what was going on in his head, you know, during these scenes was him remembering these moments. Basically, I can't wait. Ra- I can't wait for J.R.R. Tolkien's Walking Dead appendices. I think those will be a really <laughs> Shane a million. Yeah. You know, the thing about his wife, though, too, and I kind of get the kids thinking this way, and I understand the wife being afraid, too, after, you know, hearing and witnessing what Abraham did to those men, but 
no matter how horrific it is to have heard or watched that, how does that compare to what they were doing to them before he arrived? The attacking, beating, raping, all of that stuff. To me, he was more of a hero in the situation. I get them being afraid, but the mother he should have been like a... a monster by the end I, of that scene. Like, I get he looked that. Inhuman. I get that, but I mean, what they were, had apparently gone through with all those men before he came back. I don't know. I mean, it just seems a little, I don't know. I, I just would expect for a wife to, a significant other to stick around to talk through it. I don't know. It just, it's, it's, a, it, well, it, it's, a, it's I, a very hard, I think it's a very hard thing to trace, especially because, you know, you're not that person. But um, <clears throat> if I had to put my finger on it, like in my own way, I would say, her priority is to take care of her children. And if their children can't decipher between what's a monster and what's not, and they think their father falls in that category, she needs to get them out of there. And I think I would like to think that's probably where her head... I mean, obviously she was disgusted or whatever you want to call it by the actions of Abraham as well, but I I think she she wants to protect her children. I think that was the kind of... Well, we don't know what else took place. I mean, that was the... That was supposed to... Or what appeared to be the final straw. You know, what else Mm -hmm, had they witnessed or been exposed to or dealt with before we got to that point? And it could have been just like, okay, this is the fifth time he's come across people. And and maybe, you know, he's just way too aggressive in being protective. Like, he's just assuming if somebody comes around, they have ill intentions or, you know, they're going to, you know, rob us or kill us or whatever. And so he just takes the offensive every time and doesn't, you know, doesn't allow, you know, it's, it's, you know, living in a manner like, you know, like Aaron was saying. You know, she has her kids to think of, and, you know, that was just the final straw. That That's the way I took it. That's a good way I, to I also it, think yeah. it also works equally as well if they haven't if they haven't seen him do this before, because this seemed to be very early on in the zombie apocalypse. And if it's just recently the world has gone to hell, and then all of a sudden the switch flips in him, and I'm not saying it's a switch that flipped in him, but in their point of view, because he was a soldier, and he's... You know, presumably had to do some, you know, not so pleasant things in the past. If things have only recently gone bad and then this happens, I can also see that just completely wigging her and the kids out to the point where they're like, we need to find some other place. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we get a little bit jaded as viewers of the show. We've seen horror after horror after horror on a weekly basis. I mean, the week before last week with the can- the way they dispatched the cannibals. I mean, there's right. yeah. some nasty stuff that's gone on that people have been I, I don't to. get the feeling that his wife and kids have seen anything close to that yet. This was the first horror they saw, and it was a doozy. So, I, I don't know. I, I can see it working either way. Yeah. To back up a bit, um, <laughs> we because we did kind of looked over the, not even look over but I mean the episode doesn't give much to do but Glenn and Maggie are around um, I would say the spotlight's clearly on Abraham Eugene and then to a lesser extent Tara and Rosita as well but Glenn and Maggie are here and I do like the conversations that Glenn has with uh, Abraham and then that Maggie has with Eugene like in parts of the episode I think there's just it, it's an example of the show kind of taking a breath and also presenting some information without making it sound like kind of fake deep, pseudo deep, as the show is wont to do sometimes. Even Maggie, when she's getting into this kind of parable about um, Samson, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, it, it kind of links into the or- the episode without feeling fake, and and feels like something she would know coming from a religious family. Exactly, yeah. And so it's 
just want to point them out because they don't get enough to do this these days, which makes me kind of think less of Glenn and Maggie, even though they're characters I I like. I just they they don't they haven't done much lately besides just be together and smile. So and even and Glenn, I like Glenn stepping up his authority and you know trying to. T- I mean Abraham's a big guy, a really big guy, and you know seeing Glenn just be like you know yelling at him and coming back at him. You know, power to Glenn. He's trying. He's doing his part. After he's already been beaten down by Abraham once in the series. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he knows exactly what he's getting himself into this time, and he still does it. I think it's time for Maggie and Glenn to have another pharmacy run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that, that zombie horde, by the way? I, like, when they got over the hill and I saw, like, at first I saw, like, the farm and I saw the walkers in it. And I was like, oh, what are we getting into now? Like, what what what, what maniacal person is, like, raising zombies or whatever you like? I thought the same horrible. thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, what's next? And then I realized they're, like, in the street and kind of scattered everywhere. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's just kind of overrun with zombies. Like, oh, my God. Like, what, what else could happen? Some kind of cattle call or something. <laughs> a dinner bell rings and zombies scatter. Now, I mentioned a couple times the visual metaphor of the bleeding hand that won't stop. Um, you know, I, I think they did a pretty, you know, even though I've kind of made fun of it throughout this episode, I, I think they did a pretty good job. You know, they, they went a little bit close to the pushing it. Like, I get it. He has a wound. It won't close. I get it. My my real complaint with it, if there's anyone, is that I've seen that same or very similar thing on a ton of shows, even AMC shows. You had know, The Fly with Breaking Bad. You had, a, I think, a faucet in an episode of uh, Mad Men that wouldn't stop dripping. Um, but I am at least happy that they're trying. I think I said that the last time they introduced a visual metaphor. It might not be the most subtle thing, um, but at least they're trying. <laughs> and I thought it worked well enough. I thought it serviced the character well. And given, yeah, well, I agree. Given that I like the char- Abraham a lot, it helped for me. Like, I was I was fine with it. Like, it, again, the show, as opposed to nailing us with dialogue, it just nails us with a visual metaphor, which I much more prefer. So. Oh, amen to that. Amen to that. Before we get into our ratings and uh, the Nielsen ratings and what our listeners thought, uh, Russ, who is our wonderful sponsor? Our sponsor for this episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com where you can save a ton of money on all your comics, graphic novels, uh, statues, toys, all kinds of stuff. If you can order it out of the Diamond Previews catalog, you can get it from DCB Service. Uh, You can also get digital comics from DCB Service through their Comixology portal. Uh, So if you're more a fan of digital these days than print, you can earn 5% back on your digital purchases towards a future purchase with Discount Comic Book Service, um, maybe you want to save up for that special hardcover collection or uh, omnibus or uh, crazy uh, large hardcover of your choice or uh, statues, etc. Uh, you could do that there as well. Uh, some highlighted items this month. Uh, Walking Dead number 136 is out. Uh, it'll be 40% off and $1.79. Uh, there's a bunch of, every month they've been doing lately these image bundles where uh, you can get a bunch of the uh, new image comics all bundled together for half off, which is a, a fantastic deal. As well as all new Marvel and DC hardcovers are always 50% off uh, if you pre-order them. The November orders are up. Uh, lots of good stuff there. Uh, they don't mind late orders or order additions, so feel free to make changes. Um, they're just awesome, awesome people to work with. Um, a lot of us have been dealing with them um, and cu- been customers of them for many years now, so uh, go on and check out dcbservice.com or their sister site, instocktrades.com. And we thank them for their patronage. 
So, gentlemen, it is time for our Buster ratings. Of course, one being the worst, five being the best. Uh, let's go in reverse alphabetical order, just because. Um, <laughs> and, Russ, what would you give this episode? How many Busters? I'll give it four. It was just a good, solid episode. Uh, you know, not, nothing really blew me away, uh, but, you know, just, just good, solid characterization. And I like we got characterization from folks that we haven't seen a whole lot of. I mean, you know, Eugene Abraham and Rosita got a lot of highlights in this episode, which was nice. Um, and, and again, well-written, well-directed, um, and, and just a, a really strong ending. Like I said, uh, regardless of what you thought about last week's episode, um, it, it did have a strong ending. So the fact that we're getting kind of multiple episodes here where we're getting these strong strong endings is a good is a good thing. Well, after last week's episode, I immediately was thinking, this one's a five, it's a five. But, uh, you know, when I really stop and think about it, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd, I'd go with Russ on that. It's it's a solid four. Um, I, I was very happy to see, you know, more depth put on Abraham and Eugene and their relationship and as to why, you know, the difference in how he came upon the story um well not the difference but how it was revealed than it was in the comics so that it gave us a little something new for those of us that knew that this guy was full of it um overall uh definitely a strong episode for the season um, I am at a five. Um, this is my favorite episode of the season so far. This is my favorite episode of The Walking Dead in a very long time, I would think, actually, if, I'm, if I were to recollect my various star ratings for a lot of episodes from this season and last season. And I just think it did everything that I want in a Walking Dead episode. I think the performance is very strong. I like the characterization. I like that it was a straight told story without any interactions from Rick and the gang or anybody else. It was just focused on these core characters. I think the zombie action was well done in an episode that is very, very character focused. It still managed to put room in for very cool and creative zombie action. I haven't seen zombies get hit by a high powered hose before. So that was awesome. And I mean, visually I like the direction of this episode, as I mentioned before, and just kind of the visual storytelling and the metaphors and whatnot. It just did everything I want. And so, yeah, I'm at a five out of five for self-help. I will go a little bit lower. I'm going to go with uh, Russ and Rich on this one. I'm going to give it a four. Very solid episode. It didn't blow me away, but I was very happy with it. I, I really liked the humor in particular. I, it had some very dark moments in the episode with both the ending and the flashbacks and some good zombie action. But it was really the humor that kept pulling me into it. And I liked that quite a bit. Um, I love seeing the character interactions and more of a, a spotlight on you know Abraham and Eugene and Rosita really livening up the, the things a little bit by bringing some new life into the group, and I think Tara and Eugene, or Tara, Glenn, and Maggie really fit in well with them. So in general, very happy with this episode, and it is a solid four. But Aaron, what did our listeners think of the episode? Well, our listeners over at the Facebook page, facebook.com/slash WDTV podcast, they had a lot to say because we have a lot of ratings here, so I'm going to read through them. Um, Ever Ever Santa Maria has 4.25 fire hose knocking out zombie carnival games out of 5. Love the backstory on Abraham, although it makes him seemingly have a lot less grip on reality than he seems he's played up until this episode. There's more. I gotta keep reading these. There's a lot of these. <laughs> Going through his whole paragraphs. Uh, Susan has four dolphin smooth red-headed soldiers on a fake mission out of 5. I also enjoyed seeing Abraham's backstory. Uh, Georgia has, I don't... Wait, did she say backstory or backside? 
Did it say backside? No, it says backstory. No, no, that's just a, that's just a joke. It says backstory. <laughs> it could have. <laughs> I don't know who knows. Um, Dolphin smooth. Let's see. Mike Jones has four cups of toilet water out of five. My main issue were the production of the episode. Some scenes were too dark, were too long. Some hard to hear dialogue. Couldn't read the note Abraham read in his flashback. Mike Jones has to turn up his TV, apparently. That's all I know. You know, I've heard a lot of people say it, not just in our group, though. A lot of people had problems with the brightness levels and the audio mix this episode. I did not have any of them. Yeah. Um, there were certainly some scenes that were dark, but it was nighttime. Um, so, yeah, it's not a just his problem. It seems to be a widespread thing. Fair enough. Uh, Robin Young Sanders has 3.5 self-health books. Um, I like the flashback scenes. Eugene had good moments. I like Glenn stepping up some more. I actually had a brief moment when I thought Maggie was finally going to mention her sister, but no. Overall, not horrible, but kind of meh for me. Uh, Lisa Gonzalez has two mullets, maybe because I knew what was coming up in the story, but I was so bored I longed for a song by Beth to liven things up. Um, Brent Jones has 3.75 dirty, stinky, unbathed, naked bodies slapping together out of five. A lot of creative ones this week, guys. I'm liking this. <laughs> I enjoyed this one, but it made me like Abe a lot less as it went on. It's one thing to put the mission first. It's another to be pig-headed about it. Like Glenn having some flashes of season one slash two Glenn. Uh, let's see. Belinda Clark has a two out of five lying liars who lie. At least now they can go back to the rest of the group. I don't like the separation of the group. I didn't like the lighting. I didn't care about Abraham's background story. And the bus crash was so lame. Such a plot point as to be ridiculous. It felt like wasted time to me. Max has four out of five hose downs. I'm glad we didn't wait too long for the whole Eugene being a liar thing. I was afraid it would take the rest of the season or longer for out for our groups to reunite. But that'll probably that'll probably fix that. Uh, Tara has quickly become my favorite character. She doesn't do a ton, but she pulls her own weight. Uh, Shalem has 4.5 sore sacks out of 5. Eugene deserved that punch. Much happier after I, after last week. I love the pace of the show now. Looks like that slow Beth episode will pay off next week. Uh, Mary is giving this one a 4 out of 5. Peeping Eugene's. Love the background of Abraham and Rosita. Finally said more than two words. Not too happy with the group-specific episode since it looks like we're getting another week. Another next week. Sorry if that's a spoiler, Jerry. Happy with the pacing of that episode, too, and Eugene's reveal. I didn't want it. I didn't want that dragged out. Uh, Ian has four out of five Tennessee top hats. So much better than the last week. No more fist bumps. This makes me cringe. Luke has three out of five. Enjoyable episode, but a few like, but like a few others, I knew it was coming. Richard, Chopper Cherry, Charrington, three washed down walkers out of five. Not my favorite episode, but good to see Abraham's backstory and to see Eugene confess. Going to miss the next two weeks. Going to miss the next two weeks' episodes as holidaying in the good old USA, so shall be avoiding the podcast until we return home and have to catch up on the recorded episodes. Uh, Trisha Terry Collins, four Abraham's bloody hands out of five. Surprisingly enjoyed this one. Good to see more about the DC about the DC crowd and having a little more Maggie Glenn on the screen. Now on to Daryl Carroll and the wrapped and the wrapped wee one, not Beth. Um, Jimmy Tucker, four canceled trips of to DC out of five. Good episode of nice backstory. Uh, Craig, four insanely fake spontaneous bus fires out of five. However, again with the crazy dark lighting and inaudible dialogue. All right. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's that's the the lot of our uh, various uh, Facebook responses. Again, that's on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash WTDTV podcast. A lot of fun on there. Everyone's always interacting and posting a lot of fun stuff. So feel, feel free to, you know, join the group and, uh, uh, you know, play around with us. Yes, indeed. Uh, Richard, what did America think of this episode, at least in terms of houses watching in the United States? 
Well, we had 13.53 million American viewers uh, with a 7.0 rating on the 18 to 49 demographic. Now, that is down almost a million viewers from the prior week. I blame the prior week's episode for that. People probably felt like it wasn't worth watching this week after last week. That's just (laughs) my opinion. Last week, we had a 7.6 on the 18 to 49 demographic, so that went down to a 7. Um that is all I really have. I and I know have it, at least the last two weeks, I'm not sure about this week, but I, the last two weeks it beat Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Which for anyone listening outside the United States, that's a pretty big deal. To put it in a little perspective, um, the live plus seven ratings for the highest scripted scripted television shows on, on air, um, so the live plus sevens for the Big Bang Theory is a 6.9. The live overnights are 4.6 for Big Bang Theory. And then you have like Modern Families, like a 3.4, and it kind of goes, you know, down from there. I mean, Scandals a 3.0. Uh, so, so some of these shows that you know the NCIS is 2.4, the the Live Plus Sevens are 3.5. So some of these shows that are you know the highest rated shows on television, uh, this this little cable show is dwarfing them all by double. <laughs> yes. So you know, even though it's a little bit down, these numbers tend to ebb and flow a little bit. They get bigger at the season finales and mid-season finales and premieres. Um, it's it's still stomping the floor, wiping the floor with its competition. Well, good on the show. <laughs> uh, do we have anything else before closing it yeah, out? Yeah, I just had uh, one question for all of you because I can't quite figure it out other than the dolphin smoothness of Abraham. Cutlass had tweeted out before the episode aired about, hey, America, you know, this was one that the censors almost didn't allow through. What do you think about it? I think for AMC, I mean, I think we've seen a lot worse. Violent. You got to see quite a bit of butt in that shot. I think think Cudlitz has a lot of Twitter followers and was able to tweet something that made people interested. He also Maybe seems to be a pretty affable is, guy. Yeah. He might have just been joking. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a mix of those two things, Jordan. I think it's the kind of thing they pulled way out of proportion as far as what we're really supposed to expect from the show that's delivered many child killings over the years. I mean, it's... <laughs> Including tonight's, or last night's episode. Yeah, so You'll I, never guess what almost got the Walking Dead banned this week. Exactly. It's that, <laughs> click it's here. That, it's it's like perhaps saying Robert Kirkman says this week's going to heat up things even more than last. Like, it's that it's not, it's just like, hey... If there's that show that you're watching, you should probably watch it again this week because why not? That's, that's the, what it amounts to. So we're going to close things out now, and then, of course, right after that, we will talk about next week's episode so we can avoid spoiling those who'd like to stay unspoiled. But until next time, you can call us, leave us a voicemail at 972-798-3830, 972-798-3830, or send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Check out HHWLED.com for all of our great shows, like Half Hour Wasted, which is back, uh, The Long Box of Doom, The Black Box, uh, out now with Aaron and Abe, our weekly new release movie podcast hosted by Aaron and his friend Abe, which is wonderful. They'll be talking about Interstellar this week. Yep, fun conversation Uh, we had on that one. (laughs) I can imagine. And lots of other shows. Jersey Shore is back, The Ichapod Crane Cast, and many, many more. If it's nerdy, if it's fun, we probably got a podcast or seven talking about it. So check out HHWLOD.com for lots more great content. And it's all on iTunes. It's all on Stitcher. You just can't avoid it. So just 
just start listening now. It's going to happen eventually. Might as well get on the train. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. Aaron, who are you on Twitter? At Aaron's PS4. Richard? At Chubtoad01. Uh, Russ? At R. Latham. Uh, that's R. L-A-T-H-A-M and I am at Jordan F-R-M Jersey and so until there's no more room left in hell in the dead walk the earth remember I've been to eight county fairs and one goat rodeo and I've never seen anything like this Mm, have a good week everybody (laughs) next week on the walking dead uh, again spoilers Jerry if you don't want to know cut out now Uh, episode 506 is entitled consumed and actually all the next three episodes, which we only have three more episodes uh, this year, all start with the letter C. Spoilers. Um, but Consumed uh, will be uh, airing next week, and the synopsis we have from TV Guide is Members of the group venture into a familiar location on heroic rescue mission. And we know from the previews that this will be a uh, Carol and Daryl episode. We don't know how much it will cross over with last week's episode, Slabtown, uh, and whether that will... Uh, do you think we're going to get one episode to tie that up, or do you think it's going to take two? It may take three with them all starting with C. I, I see them getting back to Rick's group by the end of at least two weeks from now. Well, I'm yeah. assuming, I was thinking we're going to see that next week, where that Carol, the Carol and Daryl thing, and then, because the way that that episode ended with Daryl coming out of the woods, I was assuming that they haven't done the full rescue yet. Or um, I don't know. I mean, we see in the preview scene Daryl burning a body, a smaller body, no, not quite a full-grown adult size, not quite child size. I don't think from the scene that there's any way that it's actually Beth. But uh, I'm kind of thinking that they wrap it up next week or the week after that, and then the final episode will be everybody coming back together and a new threat or a new mission or something that will set them off for the next uh, half of the season next year. But I, I don't see them taking three episodes. I, I hope I not. I really don't. And Cutlass has said that that body looked awfully Eugene-shaped. So, yeah. <laughs> By the way, they had such great chemistry on Talking Dead last oh, night. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and Gail Ann Hurd as well. I've seen her on the show as well uh, before, and I don't think I'd say she was ever boring. But seeing her with the two of them, like the three of them had really great chemistry, which was fun. It's nice to see actors getting along off screen as well. I as agree, on, even if they're not getting well together on screen. And anytime I can see Gail and her talking about any of her work, I mean, she has. I mean, Walking Dead is just a blip on the radar of the many cool things that she's done in her career. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it, that's it for this week's episode. So, uh, have a good one, everybody. Take care. What do you think happens at a goat rodeo? Uh, I mean, besides the obvious, like what what are the the side events at a goat rodeo? They tie their legs together and have a six legged race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the image of that is uh... a. <laughs> All right, now that I have that image in my head. Oh, Joe Miller, you just found the marble in the oatmeal. You're a lucky, lucky, lucky little boy, because you know why? You get to drink from the fire hose!